What's going on, everybody? Nathan King here from the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Wanted to just remind everybody about one of our great sponsors here on the 24-7 Sports Network, and that is Homefield Apparel. What is Homefield Apparel? You guys, the premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis that produces incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs like Auburn and all of their great logos and designs um, that they've had throughout their history. Homefield digs through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your school. Obviously, one of their most popular collections is the Auburn collection now. Now over 20 pieces in total on their site, homefieldapparel.com. If you guys were anywhere on social media, you you were part of the Peacock movement. Um, if you're an Auburn fan of the Auburn basketball season, they've got a great Peacock shirt and Peacock hoodie that says Auburn Hoops. Easily my favorite design of theirs. Um, it's a great, great piece of uh, piece of work for an Auburn fan to pick up to commemorate this basketball season. You guys can still get 15% off your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com with the code AUBURNUNDERCOVER. That's all caps, all one word. Auburn Undercover. Please go check it out. You guys love their product, have loved it for a really long time. If you guys have been anywhere in the world of college athletics in the past couple of years in terms of social media, like I talked about, they have been phenomenal. They've done a really good job of branding themselves and they back it up with a great product. And Auburn is one of their biggest sellers, like that new Peacock uh, jacket I was just telling you guys about. So be sure to go pick that up. Get 15% off your first purchase. Again, promo code, all caps, Auburn Undercover at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. An exciting update for you guys here on the Auburn Undercover podcast. We are proud to partner a new partnership here on the show, New Orleans-based Prime Shrimp, Shrimp Company, to give you guys some delicious, easy-to-cook shrimp. You can get it delivered straight to your door. These guys have been peeling shrimp in New Orleans since the 40s, and they're excited to debut an exciting new product for you guys to get restaurant-quality shrimp at home. Get this under 10 minutes Without any of the usual fuss of cooking, the concept is simple and easy. You guys can take the frozen pouch right out of your freezer, drop it in a pot of boiling water. You have that shrimp ready in 10 minutes. Order at primeshrimp.com. You guys can get it delivered straight to your door. And for the first week of our partnership with them, you guys can use the code AUBURN247. That's all caps, all one word, AUBURN247. 50% off your first purchase. Try it today. Risk-free purchase. Again, primeshrimp.com. If you guys don't love it, you get your money back. Flavors include signature seasoned French Quarter Alfredo, garlic herb butter, and guys, the Louisiana shrimp boil. I've I've had it. I cannot get enough of it. My wife really loves the French Quarter Alfredo, but I absolutely cannot get enough of the Louisiana shrimp boil. So you guys are going to love this stuff. Again, 50% off. We're going to continue on after that with them. We're going to have deals with them after that. But this week only, our first week, Auburn 24-7, all one word, all caps, Auburn 247, 50% off your first purchase. Again, that is primeshrimp.com. There we go. All right, welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King, joined here by Mr. Mark Murphy and Mr. Jason Caldwell. A little football podcast for you guys. Um, Today, we have our, our fan survey um, on the website, so be sure to check that out, auburnundercover.com, um, and vote on your outcomes, what you think the 2022 Auburn football season um, is going to be like that. So, so so far, we've got some interesting results. It's always fun to, to put that together this time of year, but we've got an interesting, uh, a fun little exercise planned for you guys today that will pit Mark and Jason against each other with a few football topics. Before we move on to that, though, a um, couple housekeeping things. On the Auburn football front, just last night, um, they landed their eighth transfer, their eighth in- incoming transfer, 
um, of this year and their third since spring football ended is Mr. Morris Joseph. Um, Mark wrote about him about a week ago when he came and visited Auburn, said he connected well um, with the coaching staff, and clearly that turned out to be true. He ends up committing to Auburn. Brian Harson had talked about you know, they needed a receiver, they needed some help maybe in the defensive backfield, and they needed help along the defensive line. They have landed one of each of those kinds of guys um, since then. That was a couple weeks ago. Obviously, they got DeZalen Worsham from Miami, and they got Craig McDonald, a safety from Iowa State. But Morris Joseph is a pretty interesting pickup. He was actually third in the American Conference in 2020 in tackles for loss. He had 11 and a half tackles for loss that year and eight sacks. Last year had four and a half tackles for loss and a sack and a half. So a decently productive player that um, you know that interior defensive line for Auburn is 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 pretty stout at the top with a guy like Colby Wooden um, and Marcus Harris both returning this season. So they knew they needed some depth there. Maybe I don't know what you guys think about it, Jason. Uh, they probably still need an edge guy. Um, I would think at least just not to have another body in there. But but so far they have sort of checked off their list that they wanted in terms of the transfer pickups. Yeah, and obviously if you could find an edge guy that that could come in and give you some you know help um, to a position that only has three players, that would be really important for this team. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of those guys out there, and the ones that are out there are in high demand from really everybody, and so that's made it really difficult to find you know that type of player, that kind of impact player at the edge position for Auburn, and so it's it's one of those uh, you know, catch twenty two situations. Do you try to go find somebody just for depth? But, I mean, you, you can't go out and start loading up a roster with a bunch of guys you don't think are good enough. And so you have to wait and kind of bide your time. It's it's, it's a different time. Me and Mark talk about it all the time. It, it's a completely different world because you're talking about free agency. And, you know, sometimes free agents, you know, in, in the NFL can make a team. But if you sign the wrong ones, it breaks you. And, and you know, kind of the same mold here for college football for Auburn. You have to be very careful and very selective. Um, but – you know, what you what the kind of the determining factor right now is if you don't have enough edge guys, you play more of a traditional three, four. So for Auburn, they needed numbers one way or the other. You either had to have a couple of edge guys or you had to have more bodies in that true traditional three, four look. And and that's what they've done, you know, with a pickup like Marsh Joseph. Yeah, and there's a couple other guys that we hadn't had a chance necessarily to break down on here, but to Zaylin Worsham was a guy that you really enjoyed watching um, in high school. Jason from Hewitt Trustville played there um, behind Javarius Johnson at the wide receiver position was a great player at the high school level. Didn't make a lot of hay at, at, at Miami in his couple seasons there. He had an injury situation. And so um, he's a shifty guy, really athletic player. Be interested to see how he fills into that rotation. And then Craig McDonald, I mean, their, their numbers are, are decently thin at safety too. Um, and so that's a nice scholarship pickup for there. He was a pretty productive player um, at the big 12 level. And then just one more thing I wanted to talk about on here in case you've been living under a rock. Um, what, what are we recording this on Thursday? Um, on Wednesday night, it started up uh, between <laughs> Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. I know none of the, neither of these people are uh, necessarily related to Auburn football, but of course, Auburn fans have been very in tune um, for what's been happening, uh, not the least of which reason, just because it's been super entertaining. Um, so Nick Saban, he was in Birmingham, um, I believe for a charity event. So he said on Wednesday night um, that, quote, AM bought every player on their team and made a deal for name, image, and likeness. And we didn't buy one player. Um, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it, end quote. Um, I remember I, like, when I first saw this on Twitter, I was like, no way he actually said AM bought it. Like, no way that's the verbatim quote. Like, you're just, you're just kind of paraphrasing. 
then he definitely said that um jimbo fisher calls an impromptu press conference at kyle field this morning at 10 a.m and just absolutely lights him up uh he says we never bought anybody no rules were broken it's a shame that you sit here and, and defend 17 year old kids and families in texas a&m because we do things right um yada yada the, be- the better part was when he went after Nick Saban. He said, it's despicable that a reputable head coach can come out and say this when he doesn't get his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow these things to happen. It's ridiculous when he's not on top. Um, so <laughs> pretty entertaining stuff. I mean, this is this is one of the more public feuds, Mark, I think we've had between major, not only major college coaches, but just in sports in general. Um, so it's made for a, it's made for a pretty entertaining, uh, entertaining Thursday, but um, a lot of it between both these guys is 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 the pot calling the kettle black, of course. Yeah, Jimbo Fisher coached at Auburn under Kerry Bowden, his quarterback coach and offensive coordinator. So I got to know him, and uh, yeah, you know, Jimbo was um, got um, a temper, and uh, you know, he he doesn't let these things slide easily, and you know, he's worked for Saban, so he understands Saban's system and how he operates, and. Uh, um, um, Jimbo Fisher's probably the wrong person for Saban to pick a fight with uh, because of what Jimbo Fisher knows about that operation. Yeah, and I think something else, too. We've seen this before. Nick Saban, when when he does these things, he does it for a reason. And unless unless he's finally showing, you know, uh, a, you know, that he's not in tune with everything that's going on, my guess is, this is is more directed at at the NIL portion of things at Alabama. Going, hey, how how are people getting these guys, and we're not? Um, to me, that's he's always pretty calculated in his move. I just always think back to to how playing up tempo and and no huddle football was dangerous for players until he decided it wasn't, and he wanted to do it, and now they do it better than anybody. Um, now it's not even dangerous anymore. Um, you know, it's okay. So I think it's a calculated move. Um, but I, there, there, it is a little different. Mark, we, we've been watching this a long time, doing this a long time. I, I don't remember personal attacks. And while then you look at it, it's not necessarily personal from Nick Saban, but it is in, in the coaching profession because it absolutely attacked another program in this league. It doesn't happen. And to see this go back and forth, uh, I guarantee you that there's a phone call being made this afternoon um, from the SEC to go, hey, cut it up. I mean, that's, that's it. We're not having this anymore. You can't have two of your schools in a public feud like this. It just, it just, what it's done though is uh, a lot of excitement for SEC media days and for uh, for a Saturday in October. That's for sure. Yeah, you're right about that. I'm sure Commissioner Sankey uh, has talked to both these coaches. Jimbo Fisher says he's not taking calls from Nick Saban. But uh, he'll take it from the league office, though. He will. And uh, um, Texas A&M uh, is sort of getting under Alabama's skin a little bit uh, because, you know, Texas A&M is the richest university in the SEC. Nobody's even close. Uh, I guess Vanderbilt is second and Florida's third. And uh, this NIL is a whole new realm we've entered in college athletics and people are still figuring it out, but it looks like Texas A&M has figured it out in a more um, spectacular way than a lot of other schools have. Yeah. I saw where the Ross Dellinger was reporting that 
um, Ross Bjork, I believe that's how you would pronounce yes. the, the Texas A&M AD, um, told him that he's contacted the league office and um, you know very clearly stated some SEC bylaws that that broke. You know, public. Uh, I, I don't even know what you would what you would call it, but like you said, Mark, I mean, they, they, you you definitely don't want to you definitely don't want this so uh, so public. So it'll be interesting to see if they actually um, crack down on this in the next few days. But then you've got Lane Kiffin weighing in as in only the way that Lane Kiffin can. Um, and then you've even got Auburn coaches very, very, uh, very sneakily posting pro Auburn things kind of at a kind of at an interesting time. Brian Harson posting a video. Um, Trovon Reed had a pretty funny video that he posted as well. Maybe they were scheduled. Maybe that was going to happen anyway. Um, but all in all, it's made for a pretty entertaining day. So we'll see what happens with that in the next few days. But um, all right, guys. So here is the game for today. The exercise that we've got. Um, you both are going to make your case for and against certain outcomes for the 2022 Auburn football season. Whether or not you believe it, Mark, you said before we started you were excited to play devil's advocate, so we'll give you that opportunity. But um, whether or not you believe it, just give your best um, sort of pitch for why, you know, if you, if you had to, if you were in debate class, you had to defend your side here. Um, we'll start easy and then we'll, and then we'll get on to, you know, actual outcomes for the season records and stuff like that. And we're kind of going to be following along again, go vote in the 2022 fan survey on our website. Um, we're interested to see you guys' thoughts there. We'll kind of be following along with that. So we will start with a pretty easy one um, because so far got the question right here um, on the survey is who will be Auburn starting quarterback for the majority of the season right now. Zach Calzada is leading with 61.1% of the votes. Robbie Ashford, is behind him with 29.7 and then TJ Finley down at 9.1%. So Jason, we'll start with you. Give me your case. Pretty, pretty, pretty easy. I think there's a, there's an easy case. Well, there's a little bit of easy case both ways. Give me your case for Zach Calzada being Auburn starting quarterback, the bulk of the season, whether he, whether he gets at the beginning of the year, but he will be quote Auburn starting quarterback in 2022. Give me the case for that being the situation. Yeah, I think there's an, uh, you're right. There's an easy case to be made in both directions for this one. Uh, for, for Zach Calzada, it's, it's because nobody took, took the ball and ran away with it in the spring for me. Um, you know, I think that was probably the biggest opportunity for TJ Finley. You know, Robbie Ashford did some good things, but neither one of those guys seized it and, and they didn't take the job while Zach Calzada was basically just taking some reps and some seven on seven. And so the fact that, that he's still in the, in the mix and this thing is open, um, you know, and he didn't go through any team drills, those things to me, it, it, it puts the job in, in his court. Now the ball's in his court, in my opinion, you know, he's got some experience in Texas A&M experience in winning some big games. And I think you look at the combination of that and the fact that, you know, he was really the guy they went after. You start talking about, hey, this is the guy that, that, that we believe fits in, in what we want to do on offense. They played against Zach Calzada last year. They saw it in person. And when he became available, they went, oh, that's our guy. That For me, that's where I, I lean towards Zach Calzada being the guy for the bulk of this season. He's healthy, um, going through kind of that cleanup process on that, that non-throwing shoulder to the offseason. Should be good to go. And I think he fits what they want to do on offense. So that's why I think you look at it, you know, Zach Calzada being the guy. All right, Mark, you get the other side. You get a couple guys to kind of back up. Well, three guys, if you really want to, I guess, be fair to Holden Gurner. Um, your case against Zach Calzada being Auburn's starting quarterback for most season. You know, I think we need to start off with he really didn't compete in spring practice. He was out there throwing some and, and watching some, but, uh, you know, he, 
he really wasn't an active participant in spring practice. So he's got a lot of catching up to do. And to me, uh, the SEC is such an athletic league when it comes to defenses, outside pass rush, even inside pass rush. You don't want a statue back there at quarterback. You want a guy who's got quick feet and can move around. To me, the most athletic of all the quarterbacks is Robbie Ashford. And, uh, you know, he is certainly um, um, a guy worth watching. Um, we got to see him in high school. A very good all-around athlete. is both a baseball prospect and football prospect. And, um, you know, I could see him stepping up and playing a lot this year for Auburn. Um, you know, Holden Gurner, he's, he really impressed me in the spring. And, uh, you know, I think they could do a lot worse than play him at quarterback. But, yeah, he's just a, a true freshman, early high school graduate. It's going to be tough for him to play. But, I mean, he was calm out there. He was cool and collected. And I don't know that anybody actually played better on offense than he did in the A-Day game. So it's a lot to be said from that. He got off to a little bit of a slow start in spring practice, but he came on strong. And by the middle of spring practice, he was throwing the ball well. And late in spring practice, he was throwing the ball very well. And then T.J. Finley, there's a lot to be said for a guy who's got as much starting experience in the SEC at both LSU and Auburn as he has. He's a big guy. He's probably at least 260 right now. Six seven, he can see over the pass rush. Um, you know, he's got a lot of athletic ability, and um, you know, I can see him step up and play well. You know, he had some issues last year, but not all the issues were on him. The pass protection was spotty at times, and the receiving group was more than spotty at times. They dropped some passes that should have been caught, and so yeah, he had some decent numbers, but not good numbers. But it wasn't all his fault, Nathan. Yeah, and interesting comments too made by TJ Finley after the A Day game, saying that he thinks you know Robbie's legs will be useful to them this season. He didn't say you know if he's not the quarterback, but I, I think he said something to the effect of we're going to find a way to to use him and you know use his athleticism. And so, um, certainly the most athletic guy left in that room now that Demetrius Davis um, transferred out. So, moving on now, Mark, we'll stick with you. Uh, Tank Bigsby, second straight thousand yard rushing season. Give me your case for why Tank Bigsby will go for over a thousand yards again. If he stays healthy, I think he'll go for fifteen hundred yards. Uh, because number one, uh, he's a junior; he's been through the league twice. Um, to me, he might be the best running back in the SEC. I really believe Auburn's going to be serious about running the football this year. They've got a veteran offensive line group. They got. Lots of tight ends to help with the blocking, and they got some big athletic tight ends who should be good blockers. And um, I think Bigsby uh, is going to try to go pro after this year, Nathan. He's going to be highly motivated to have his best year and get his stock up as high as possible for the NFL draft. And, you know, Auburn's not real deep at the running back position, so uh, he's got a chance to carry the ball a lot this year. So if he stays healthy, I think – Thousand yards is a given. 1,200, 1,500 is certainly a possibility. Jason, I think there's there's maybe a couple avenues that are both positive and negative for Auburn if Tank doesn't go for a thousand. Um, but give me your case for why maybe he wouldn't reach that that benchmark this season, both in good and bad ways. Yeah, I think in a good way it would mean if if Jarquez Hunter, Demari Austin, somebody else became, you know, we saw Jarquez Hunter at times 
showed that he was capable of being that guy. And then you saw the second half that 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 freshman that freshman piano jumped on his back a little bit, and he you know wasn't wasn't quite the same. If somebody else can can help out, that would be the best case scenario. You know, if he were to you know, I still think Tank's a guy that when healthy, this guy's going to get the the majority of the carries. I think the biggest stumbling block to getting the two thousand yards is going to be in the passing game. Um, I think if Auburn cannot find legitimate threats at the wide receiver position, that's still a question mark. If they can't find those, then they're going to see a lot of seven and eight-man fronts next year. We saw it from Texas A&M and Georgia and Alabama last year, and Auburn had real struggles trying to run the football against those teams. If if teams aren't worried about having to, to keep safeties deep and they're not worried about playing man coverage outside, that means they're going to have more and more bodies to, to stack in that line of scrimmage and make it tougher for Auburn to run the football. So we've talked about it for a couple of years. They, they work hand in hand. You got to be able to run it to throw it. This team, I believe, really has to be able to throw the ball better to be able to run it. And, and I think that's where it starts for Tank Bisbee in that rush for a thousand yards. Right now in our poll, 90.1% of the voters say that Tank will go for a thousand again. Um, yeah, I think at this current moment, there's probably no reason to think he wouldn't. But I agree with you, Jason. If that passing game is just so far behind, people are just going to load the box on him. Um, I'll stick with you, Jason, for this next one. So now move on to the wide receivers. Um, we'll go with our current vote leader here just to just to play along. I've got the vote here. Who will be Auburn's leading wide receiver? Right now, Shedrick Jackson has a slight edge over Javarius Johnson. Um, he's got nine more votes at the moment to be Auburn's leading receiver. So, Jason, give me your case for Shed Jackson in his fifth season at Auburn being the leading wide receiver for this offense in the fall. Yeah, I think it starts with the way he finished last year. We saw Shedrick have some of the best game, the best games of his career the second half of last season as he started to become a more viable option in the passing game. You know, I've seen Shedrick play since he was a junior in high school. He's got the ability to be a guy that can stretch the field some too, and we haven't really seen that much from him yet. But I thought, you know, for two years, he was essentially a tight end out there playing wide receiver. That was his role. Um, you know, he was a guy that was just a blocker, and that's what he did. Last year, it took him a little while to get his legs under him as a legitimate receiver, and when he did, I thought he played pretty well. So uh, I think those are the two guys that I would go with, and probably Shedrick Jackson because of durability. Um, and, and his experience would be the guy that I would I would have as Auburn's lead receiver this season. All right, Mark, once again, you've got sort of a, a, a buffet of choices here um, of other guys. So whoever you want, your your case for whoever is going to be Auburn's leading receiver this season besides Shed Jackson. You know, I think I'm going to go with one of the slot receivers. I'm not sure which one it could be, but, uh, you know, it's about time for Javarius Johnson to step up. And, and have a, a big season. He's the kind of guy can beat man coverage. He's really quick. Yards after a catch or a potential with this guy. And, uh, um, you know, if he stays healthy, I think he's going to have a really good year. And uh, and I think Shedrick's going to have a good year too. But I think he's got more sh- shake and bake to get open than Shedrick does. And that's why I think he's got a chance to be a guy that catches 50 or 60 passes this year if he stays healthy. I think everybody right here agrees that when Javarius is healthy, he can be a really high level player out in out in open space. And so hopefully we get to see that. We we again, like you said, Mark, when we've seen glimpses of it, um, I think the biggest one was probably that Mississippi State swing pass where caught it behind the line of scrimmage and just completely outran everybody. So he's a great athlete um when he's healthy. So he could he could be a guy as well. Him and Shed Jackson, they give they give Auburn a decent bit of experience um coming back. They've got to make sure some of those guys toward the bottom of the rotation. 
um, are figuring things out as well. We'll kind of we'll kind of uh, hit the pause button there on these individual ones, just because looking here at our fan vote that we've got, um, the other ones are you know who will lead Auburn in sacks. Of course, Derek Hall is running away with it. Um, in tackles, Owen Papo is running away with it. Although I think you could make a decent case maybe for a guy like a like a Donovan Kaufman. Um, interceptions, that's kind of like a, a tricky subject to necessarily dive into. So far, Nehemiah Pritchett um, is leading that one. I think obviously somebody like him and Jalen Simpson. Um, so we'll go more now zooming out the lens um, on Auburn's season um, as a whole in terms of what their schedule is. So Mark, I'll start with you um, talking about Right here, we've got Auburn's first loss. Right now, the uh, the the leader in the vote is Georgia at Georgia. So that's their first road game of the season after um, that five game you know, home home streak there at the start of the year. Give me the case for Georgia, not a super difficult one for Georgia being their first loss, and I guess them starting five and zero. I guess is is the is what we've sort of set up here. Give me give me that uh, scenario. How does Auburn make it to their first road game without losing any games at home? Yeah, I think they need to be really efficient offensively, not turn the ball over a lot. Got a tough game. Uh, week three, Penn State coming to Jordan-Hare Stadium. There's absolutely no reason to assume Auburn's going to win that game, you know, just based on the returning players from both teams. Now, Penn State has certainly had some losses, but uh, that's a game Auburn uh, could lose. And I'm not certain Auburn's going to beat Missouri either. Um you know, Missouri, I think Missouri's a really well-coached team. They've had some talent issues the last couple of years. Um, I think they've really improved themselves through the transfer portal and also through recruiting high school players. And uh, I think Eli uh, is a heck of a head coach and a play caller. So that's going to be a challenge. And then LSU, well, that's a totally rebuilt organization down there. Have no uh, real good feel at this stage what to expect out of them. But one thing we can normally expect from when LSU uh, comes to Auburn, Auburn goes to Baton Rouge, Nathan, is that they've got a lot of talented players and they're not going to be devoid of talent this year either. So um, there's a lot of dangerous games for Auburn before they get to Georgia. And uh, of course, if Auburn beats Georgia this year, um, that would be truly impressive because the Bulldogs are probably going to be the most talented team in the league again this year. Uh, if not Texas A&M or Alabama. And it's on the road again, where they've obviously not had a lot of success against either Georgia or Alabama. Um, all right, Jason, I guess on the other side of that um, is just of those first five home games that they've got, first time since 2016, Auburn started a season with with four more straight games at home. Of those five games, which one do you think is the most losable um, for Auburn? Yeah. Um, there you go. We're back. I, I think you look at, at- – I think all three of those games are, are team are games that that absolutely are, are challenges for this Auburn team. When you start talking about for different reasons, um, Penn State is a team that you know Sean Clifford is back at quarterback. They added some transfers on both sides of the ball. They recruited pretty well and, and had one of their better recruiting classes last year. This is going to be a talented Penn State team that you start talking about some losses and you think about the team that Auburn played a year ago. There weren't a ton of those guys that we heard their name called in the NFL draft. Um, so this is still going to be a talented Penn State team. Missouri coming off their best recruiting class in a long time. Um, obviously, new quarterback for them, and looks like it may end up being Jack Abraham, former Mississippi State quarterback that was at Southern Miss and now at Missouri. So some changes there, but well, they, they've kind of stocked up out of the, the transfer market a little bit. And as Mark said, LSU 
Heck, who knows? Um, they're, they're almost a brand new team, uh, coaching staff, everything involved. Um, you look at, at the schedule, and, and I think all three of those games, and I'll tell you this, though, don't gloss over number two. Don't gloss over San Jose State. Um, that's a team that two years ago um, won the league. and won Like 11 games, right? And, and beat Brian Harson and Boise State in a conference championship game, five and seven last year. They've had a bunch of road games, a bunch of crazy things going on, but um, they'll be familiar with what Auburn wants to do on both sides of the ball because now yeah. Auburn Auburn's system is going to be exactly what they faced two years ago with with coordinator wise. So um, that there, there's different challenges for this team, but I think you, you look at it and and you know for this Auburn team to 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 make a run then you, you better take care of business at home. And and so there there's three games that you could three or four games that you could lose, but you need to win all of them if you want to have a season to 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 push there to the end. Yeah, I think uh you look at Mercer too, not that I don't you know not that anybody would necessarily be expecting a huge threat there. Um but they return their starting quarterback, leading rusher and their top two wide receivers and four of their five starters on the offensive line. So you went seven and three last year. Right, it should be. I think they had the number two offensive efficiency in the Southern uh, Southern Conference, so it should be a decent little test there for Jeff Schmetting. Talking about Jeff Schmetting's defense um, there in Week One. Um, last one, guys. Talking about the overall record for the season right now. That's our first. That's our first question on the poll. Um, I've got it. Just how many games Walburn win in the regular season? Uh, right now, the leader is eight through nine games. Eight to nine games um, is the is the leader with forty eight point nine percent of the vote. Followed by six to seven games. Followed by um, four to five games. So Jason, um, your, your draw here is give me your best case for Auburn winning eight or nine games in the 2022 season. Well, to do that, you better be five and up going to Georgia. Yeah. You can't, you can't afford to, you can't afford a slip up. And, and so we just talked about it, um, to get to that number, then you've got to win those home games because you look up and you got to go to Georgia, got to go to Alabama, you got to go to Ole Miss to Mississippi State. And so you start talking about even if you break even in those two games, that means you got to beat Arkansas at home and, and you gotta you gotta take care of business against some some pretty good teams at home. So for me, if you're gonna get to the eight number, if you're this Auburn team, then you better be five and oh going to Georgia. And that's the best that's the that's the best case scenario. That's where it has to happen because you got some toughies on the road. It's a, you know we talked about rebuilding. Ole Miss is going to be completely new. But here's the challenge. We for Ole Miss and Mississippi State, both for this Auburn team. This Auburn team, the challenge is going to be on offense. Those two teams are probably going to score some points. Um, can you score enough points in those type of games against those type of teams? That's, a, that's where a team like Missouri, too, could be, you know, an interesting game. Um, that's the, you know, this team, this Auburn team is going to play defense. I think the defense is going to be pretty good. They're going to keep them in some games. But can you score enough points to beat teams like that? That's where – you better get off to a good start. So I think, I think to get to that number, you need to have a five and zero start and, and take care of business at home. Yeah. Another question we had down the line was which team, which of these teams scares you most. And it was basically every sec opponent, but Georgia and Alabama. And right now it's pretty close between Texas A&M and old miss talking about Auburn fans looking at the schedule. So, you know, both of those teams, like you said, are no longer are just, um, you know, throwaways on the schedule that Auburn can just chalk up a win for. Those are very, not only formidable opponents, but teams that will be favored in those games. And then Mississippi State last season did not, right. you know, was not able to close that out at home against that team. And so um, 
Mark here, I think think maybe from your perspectives, uh, you were talking about um, how this team might have some trouble with Missouri. So I think I think from your side, it kind of works out here, giving you this angle. Um, give me your case then for Auburn winning less than eight games in the 2022 season, so seven and five or worse. You know, just looking at the big picture, Nathan, I think Auburn's got more talent than Mercer, San Jose State, and Western Kentucky. Then after that, I don't know. I think it's a really good question. Uh, does Auburn have more talent than any of the SEC teams? It's playing this year, those eight teams. I uh, don't think they have more talent than Georgia, Alabama, Texas A&M, and a couple other teams. So, I mean, they're going to have to play very close to potential to have a winning record, I believe. To have eight or nine wins, they're going to have to really put things together and uh, – Somebody's going to have to step up a quarterback and have a great year throwing the ball. Two or three guys are going to have to step up and have great seasons as wide receivers. You're going to have to keep key guys healthy. Owen Popo or whoever else is playing, linebacker needs to have a great season. I mean, the, that rush guys on the end, they're really good. There's only three of them on scholarship. Those guys are going to have to stay healthy because we know how important it is to get after the quarterbacks in this league because – it's made the transition to a run first league to a throw first league. So you got to have those guys out there. And if you get two or three of those guys hurt, it's going to be interesting to see how Auburn is able to deal with it. And now I'm never going to say Auburn can't win eight or nine games because I've seen too many situations over the years when Auburn was picked low and discounted. Those guys have stepped up and played really well and had good seasons. Uh, and I think this team has a chance to do that, but I sure wouldn't bet on them winning eight or nine games this year. Yeah, well, so far that's interesting to me that we'll we'll see. There's about 16, 17 hours left in our uh, in our fan vote. That is the leader currently. So um, be sure to go check that out, guys. AuburnUndercover.com. Um, let us know your thoughts. Interested to break that down when it's all said and done. So thank you guys so much for listening today to this edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Thanks to Mark and Jason. If you guys enjoyed it, go leave us a five-star review wherever you guys listen to podcasts. Um, be sure to check us out this weekend, Auburn Baseball, their final SEC series of the season. Jason will have that covered for you guys, and then we'll hit you with a recap podcast when that is done and talk about what their prospects look like heading into the postseason, the SEC tournament. Um, and Auburn softball is beginning the NCAA tournament as well. So we'll be able to get all that to you guys um, within the coming days. The intro and outro music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can find him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. And until the next time, we will catch you guys later. Have a great rest of the day, and we will talk to you guys soon.